Hi, this is your host, Rosaria Kozar. Please always remember to consult with your physicians before attempting any changes to your treatment plan. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Living with Scanxiety with your host, Rosaria Kozar. As a reminder, this show is to help parents adjust to their child's new diagnosis of cancer. Today, I have with me an associate professor from St. Anselm's College, located in Manchester, New Hampshire. He has dealt with heartache that no one hopes for, including you. His son was diagnosed with one of the rarest forms of cancer, resulting in a very poor prognosis. I hope listeners today gain confidence that treatment can work despite a poor prognosis. Miracles do happen because statistics do not matter. Remember, someone always has to be on the other side of the statistic. Towards the end of this episode, John also expands on community with recommendations for families starting or in the middle of their journey. So welcome, John, to Living Risk Anxiety. Thanks for having me. And it's great to have you here with us. Would you mind starting out with a little bit of what led up to Henry's diagnosis? Sure, absolutely. Um, he is, uh, he'll be turning, my son Henry will be turning nine um, next week on Halloween. Um, and all of this started uh, when he was uh, three years old um, in January of 2014. Um, he uh, just one night I was teaching at, at, uh, at the college and Ken was watching Henry and, um, I got a call on my, on my way home saying that, um, this feels like something's wrong with, with Henry. My husband, Ken had just had, um, an appendectomy a few weeks before. Um, so he was noticing that he was, uh, Henry was kind of wincing and picking him up and that was un- unusual to him. So he decided to, just to be sure to take him to our local emergency room. Um, they did an ultrasound um, and they suggested that we go right to Boston Children's Hospital. Um, and there was some mass in his abdomen um, that was something they hadn't seen before. Um, so we did that. And about this, by this time it was almost midnight and we made it to Children's Hospital. And we were in the hospital for about two weeks. Um, then it took about 10 days for them to finally diagnose, to kind of going back and forth, what type of, of cancer. Um, and it was determined that it was, as you said, this very rare uh, type of cancer called desmoplastic small round cell tumor, um, uh, DRCT um, is what folks call it. And um, it has a, usually um, inflicts teenagers and, and young men, although it can, can do lots of folks. And so um, they, at that point, we had thought Henry was the youngest patient um, to uh, to have it. We found out later there was was one, uh, um, a boy who was younger when he was diagnosed, um, and uh, they you know there wasn't any special place for it. There there was a trial going on in New York City, um, and they hadn't had a case at Boston Children's in I think seven or eight years, and so. Um, but uh, our our oncologists felt that they could follow the protocol that was kind of available out there. Um, and we thought it would be best to stay in the area. Um, obviously, our support system was here and family and, and whatnot. Um, and so that's what we did. And um, so he was um, given a very, very poor prognosis, as you mentioned, 
um, the figures are, like you said, are, are, are problematic, right? Because they they say one thing, but um, every new case changes those dynamics. So we had a 52-week um, chemo uh, schedule, um, about a month of radiation, surgery, or surgeries. Um, and we were kind of off off from there. Um, and so, um, yeah, so that's how it all started. And, uh, you know, I likened it to um, kind of the change uh, being from kind of not being a parent to becoming a parent, how um, your old life goes away, right? Um, and then you have a whole new life and it's made up of, of things that are, are very different. Um, so it definitely took some, some time uh, adjusting for sure. The adjustment period is definitely very taxing emotionally and actually physically too. So how did you feel following what the doctors had relayed to you about his diagnosis and what was his staging? What was the prognosis that they gave you in terms of a percentage of survival? What we what had heard, I purposely stayed offline, um, but other family members had got online and um, and the doctors themselves were hesitant with with giving um, a, a percentage, but um, uh, I'd heard from other people five to fifteen percent, um, with closer to the five percent. Um, and there's an online community, and and a lot of the stories were really d- disheartening. I um, mean, we went um, you know to the meeting where we were kind of discussing his treatment, um, going over. Um, how it was going to take a, over a year, and here are all the drugs, and here are all the um, side effects, and and I mean, I remember thinking at that point that you know why bother, you know, um, if it's such a poor prognosis, like why are we putting him through all this? Um, and the doctors, you know, uh, said basically that we want to make him feel better, um, and that's our that's our goal, um, and maybe we can extend his life, um, and that's the kind of language they were they were using. If I, if I remember correctly. Um, and so it is like just you know adjusting to an entirely new reality. There's new lingo. There's new um, your day to day life uh, changes, as you know. Um, uh, your, your relationship with your partner changes. Your family and and I can speak for myself that you know we didn't have um, cancer in our family. So this is for me and my immediate family the first case of cancer that we dealt with. Um, my husband, though, his father had passed away from cancer and has a couple of grandparents, so he had a little bit more sense of of kind of what was ahead, um, and, and I didn't. Um, and so um, it seemed to me like that this was, um, you know, putting then three-year-old through, through the ringer for, for a really dim outcome. Um, so I was, I was, as you can imagine, quite despondent at, at, the, at the beginning, given that um, all we had seen and read, you know, on on the Facebook group, et cetera, was was pretty, pretty, um, pretty grim. And even some parents say, "Why extend his life if it's going to be painful?" So what what is your mm-hmm. response to a parent out there that might be thinking that why why extend a life his life if it's going to be painful? Well, I think at that point, I mean, uh, that's exactly how I felt. I, I, I didn't feel it didn't seem worth it, and I, I know they have to go through all the uh, the the possible kind of side effects um, to all the very the stuff that they're they're doing. And um, it, and what was convincing to me, I guess, a couple of things. One was that this would possibly make him feel better, 
because um, he, you know, he did have uh, giant masses uh, in his stuff in his um, abdominal area, but also lots of other smaller tumors near his colon and other places. And so he wasn't feeling great, um, and he went downhill pretty quickly at the start once we once we got into the hospital. So. Uh, not that I felt like we had nothing to lose, but I felt like well, this, if this can make him feel better. And it felt like um, uh, I, I could either get busy preparing myself for him to, to die um, or kind of getting in this headspace of, of, of hope. And, and that's, and that's a, that's a hard spot to, to, to be in for sure. And do you think you ever chose hope or do you think it just happened? Oh, that's a great question. Um, did I ever choose hope? Yeah, I think I did. I think I did because um, it felt like the the best of the, of the of the options. Like I feel like I'm a pretty practical kind of person, and I could um, uh, I could kind of um, go to that the dark place we would always call it in our in our family, and and I knew what that felt like, and it felt terrible and horrible, and I didn't want to stay there. Um, and the hope place didn't feel too much better because I wasn't certain of it. That makes sense. Um, but there was that possibility that um, that that would feel that that he he could feel better. And and that's you know um, I thought well we have to do that. You know that that seems like the only only way to go. I applaud you for choosing the hope. And maybe parents out there listening, you guys uh, will also rethink a possible choice that you might make um, given the fact that there are miracles that happen. And like John was saying, uh, Henry was comforted through the treatment. And on top of the comfort, you mentioned community, but community also exists in the hospitals. And did you get Mm -hmm. a sense of community within your hospital? Absolutely. I mean, I remember first time going to, went to Jimmy fund um, in the waiting room and I kind of looked around and said, I, I thought to myself, this is my new tribe. Like this is my new family. Um, because, um, well, people can be empathetic and sympathetic to what you're kind of going through if you're not in it. I mean, cause it is the unimaginable, right? It is the, the, the worst thing you can experience as a parent. And, um, and so, um, I kind of looked around this room and said, these people know what I'm feeling and, and um, what, what this looks like. Um, And some people have it worse off and some people have it better. I remember there was one of the first or second meetings. um, There was a young man. He's probably like 11 or something. He's with his mom and they were playing and, you know, with the other kids and they were talking about, they just came back from their make a wish trip and, you know, things are looking really good and he's feeling great. He's back to school. And I remember thinking, uh, that I'm so envious um, and not in an angry way, just, just wanting to, you know, cause the mom looked so relieved and, and, and wasn't kind of, you know, coiled. Right. Um, uh, and the kid was happy and playing and it, this was a, this wasn't a, um, a, a march, you know, towards something bad. It was a, you know, it was a relatively happy, you know, doctor's meeting. And I thought, well, oh, uh, I don't think that's going to happen for us, but you know, wouldn't that be great? So I saw like kind of um, opportunities for hope or, or, or uh, kind of futures that I could imagine. Um, and that was, that was helpful. But, but I think 
you know, um, being in the hospital and being at, at the clinic, um, uh, it, like I said, became our, our new tribe. And, um, you know, we met a lot of really wonderful people um, through that process. It's amazing how community is within the hospitals. And I think you defined it so well, and you explained it so well. The happiness that kind of goes on, how did how did you manage to draw his attention away from the diagnosis? No, I mean, he, he you know, I think that was one of the, it seems odd to say, but one of the blessings of, of, of him being so young is that he didn't really have a sense of his own mortality. Um, and, and that, that, that was threatened. Um, you know, he was and is somebody who's, who lives very much in the moment. And at least Ken and I, my husband used to always say that, you know, we thought we'd have to be strong for, for him, but he was really the strongest for us because we really were able, to, were able to take our cues from him and his kind of what's happening today. You know, he didn't have a sense of, you know, what the week looked like, you know, I mean, he would go to daycare and knew what the weekend was, I guess, but, but um, it was kind of what's happening today. And do I have to do this or that today? Um, and, Yes, we have to we go in for a transfusion, but the air hockey table will be down the hall and we can do that. Or after a transfusion, we can get a popsicle um, or um, maybe one day next week we can go to daycare for a day. So he was very much um, in the moment and um, he's always been a very resilient kid and this just kind of kind of proved it. So um you know, he knew he was sick because we had to go what you know he called the doctor's house, but really not beyond that. Um, and we would kind of talk about what would happen that day as opposed to, you know, oh, you know, you're on your third cycle or you have surgery next week and, and, and stuff like that. So we made it, you know, he had to take oral meds every day and we called it super juice. And yeah, at one point he had to get shots every day and he did not like that, but we made that, you know, work. And, um, you know, not having to deal with the, um, emotional reality of kind of feeling his mortality, I think was a, a gift um, f- for us. Well, I, I like how you used the super juice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was really creative. Um, and you're right. Kids don't have a sense of their own. Uh, kids that young don't have a sense of their own mortality. So taking it day by day is really um is from what I've heard from other parents quite normal. Um, and just before we wrap up, do you have any advice for parents of newly diagnosed families? Oh wow. Well, I think you know. I think you said this at the beginning that no, you know, no cancer is the same or something to that to that effect. And so, I mean, I hopefully in this our discussion, I can convey kind of what worked for for us. Um, but I think I wanted to mention one other thing was that, you know, we had a set of scans pretty early on, about a, a month and a half into treatment. And um, at that first scan, we got fantastic results that his tumors had, had um, shrunk by 80 percent. There was no new activity. And so that really if we hadn't had that, quote unquote, win so early, I think it would have made because we still you know had gosh, 11 months or 10 months left to go and surgery and radiation ahead, um, that, that really buoyed, up, buoyed us. Um, and so after that, the scans became something that we were very an- anxious about, but, but um, that continued to deliver good, good news. Um, that didn't make 
um, and and we're technically done with scans now. We had the last scans in January of, of 2019, and uh, we have to go back for checkout, so we don't have to do scans anymore. And so, um, having re- released from that burden, um, uh, I guess I, I guess so. I wanted to kind of fill that, uh, kind of say that as well, but that no two cases are are the same. Um, that there's hope in in, in the grimmest of odds as, as we felt. Um, and, um, we were really blessed by, by asking for, for help for people from our family, but also from the community from, we were lucky that our, uh, my job was very, um, uh, was able to grant me leave and, and, and did a lot of other really wonderful things for, for Henry and our family. Um, and to be able to, to open up and be vulnerable with, with other people kind of going through your same challenges. Um, and to be, I think, um, to be, I think, okay, or that's uh, the best way to say this, but, um, one after Henry first got sick, I used to, I, I used to stop going on Facebook because I, I got really resentful that everyone's lives were going on. Um, and as if nothing happened and my world had completely upended. Um, and that took a while to, um, to kind of be okay with that. Um, but even in that kind of, um, and that, that was, that was an example of hope of, of a kind of, uh, a, um, the luxury of kind of complacency of not having to have it be in the back of your mind all the time, um, was, was in itself a kind of, a kind of hope that, um, that was, that was really comforting, um, that I was kind of trying to work toward. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think just being open to, to help and asking for help, um, that there are a lot of resources out there, um, and a lot of people that, that want to help, um, and, um, that you don't have to, uh, do, do this alone. Um, and there are a lot of really great resources out there. So take advantage of that is what my advice would be. And I think at one point you mentioned you used caring bridge. Is that right? Yes. Um, and that was, uh, uh my sister-in-law had recommended that and I had never heard of it uh, before. Um, and, uh, that was really helpful to be able to, I mean, I think every three or two or three weeks, just a message kind of, letting people so that we didn't have to kind of fill in everybody kind of all the time. So that was, that was really helpful. Um, but also, and then sharing updates and, and things like that, um, uh, through that, uh, able to let people know without having to kind of constantly tell the story or, or feel like that's the only thing going on, you know, in my life or our lives, our family's lives, that there were other things kind of happening too. But, um, so I found that was really helpful. And there's like a lot of really great resources at the institutions that we were, we were treated by. Um, and our doctors were uh, really helpful in terms of getting a social worker or getting other things that we needed, um, even things we didn't think we needed. So and getting set up with Make-A-Wish and all that kind of stuff. So That's great. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on here and Uh, share your story with us. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thanks. You're listening to Living with Scanxiety. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and visit my website at www.livingwithscanxiety.org.